When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. By the way, during the week, please join us on the Fox Business Network. The name of the show is Kudlow, 4 to 5 p.m. every day. And if you can't make it at 4 for some crazy reason, just text your favorite nine-year-old, and she will show you how to DVR the show. Now, let's go to our guests and do some stock market work. Nancy Tangler, CEO and CIO of Laffer Tangler Investments. She's an author, USA Today columnist, and she's just downright really super smart. And Kenny Paul Carey, my old pal, managing partner at Case Capital and chief market strategist at Slate Stone Wealth. Uh, I'm just looking at this, see, the Dow Jones this week. What did I actually – for the week, it was up. It was up nicely. So I want to know, um, I'll start with you, Nancy Tengler. Banking crisis. Banking crisis. Is it over? Is it calmer? Is the, I, I mean, I can't even talk about Janet Yellen. One day she wants to bail out everybody. The other day she doesn't. Then she comes back and she does. But, I mean, I'm just interested. What is your take on the so-called banking crisis? Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, um, I think that... The market is starting to take things into its own hands. I think that the credibility of not just uh, the Treasury Secretary, but also uh, Chairman Powell in his press conference, I, I think investors are starting to, you know, I mean, the two year is telling you that they're they're going to have to cut. Uh, if the reason is recession, uh, we, we probably agree with that. But I think for the most part, and I'd love to hear what Kenny has to say about this, I think for the most part, um, the, the bank crisis uh, will be muted from here, uh, that the large banks are in great shape. We're going to bail in everybody out anyway. So what the hell does it matter? Um, <laughs> so well, that, I, that's I, what I, uh, Yellen finally said, by the way, on Thursday, she yeah. came back to it. It said, it's just so great. Anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt. No, no, that's all. I, so, so I'm, I mean, I'm optimistic about other things. I'm worried about other things. This one, I think, um, they've taken all the risk off the table, participation trophies for everyone. <laughs> and uh, if if you're a bank manager, you really don't have to be any good at what you do. You <laughs> just have to show up for work I, every day. I love that. Well, Kenny Pocari, I want to ask you the same thing. <laughs> Whether banks can do anything they want and the government's going to bail them out, is the crisis over? But also, Nancy mentioned something very important, the two-year note, 377. The Fed funds rate is going to move up to five. But the two-year note has fallen so much, and the 10-year note has fallen so much. So the curve is totally inverted. The short end is inverted. The long end is inverted. And I'm not sure I've seen anything quite like this, uh, Ken Polcari, and I don't. what does it mean to you? So, listen, i got a couple of things. I think Nancy's spot on. I think the whole banking thing got really overblown, and they created hysteria. Uh, in the in the whole system where there was where there really wasn't any, I don't think specific specific banks. Yeah, we saw what happened, but that doesn't affect the whole the whole sector. And to Nancy's point, I think this I think the banking system in this country and really the global system is fine, right? Yes, 
Do I think she came out and basically said we're backstopping everyone? She did, and then she didn't, and then she did again, mm-hmm. uh, getting all the confusion. But I think that's I think that's at least temporary. I think they'll do that now until we get through this and it comes down. Then I think they'll revisit what those rules are and what the risk should be and all that stuff. But I do think for now. They will. And I think, the, I think the market is beginning to understand that. Look what happened on Friday. We were getting caught Friday morning in the pre-market because the rumor about Deutsche Bank, mm. Europe is lower, but we, you know, we, while we started lower, we rallied into the bell because I think people are investors uh, and traders are realizing that, um, that the system is, is fine. Now, to the point about the treasuries, did you see the news that Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Bullitt from uh, St. Louis told Bloomberg, I think on Friday, that he sees the terminal rate still going to 5.625%, yep. which is up from where we are at 5%. Uh, and he was joined by Barkin and, uh, and Atlanta's Rafi Bostic, all saying inflation remains the story and that the banking crisis will solve itself, but inflation, the Fed should remain focused. So while the bond market is telling us one thing, you're hearing confusing and conflicting data out of you know these Fed heads that are all part of the FOMC committee. Well, that's a really important point. It's a super important point, Nancy. It's like I had this conversation a little bit with John Carney earlier in the show. These uh, Treasury rates plunging are telling a completely different story than Jay Powell uh, or Jim Bullard or a lot of the Fed heads. Completely different. I mean, yeah. plunging rates mean what? Right. Recession, lower inflation, uh, you're going to slash rates. But what right. Powell's saying is the economy's still got strength, inflation is still a problem, and we're going to raise rates some more. I mean, basically, he signaled another quarter point. I think you would agree with that. So yeah. that's a big disconnect, and investors are kind of caught in this crossfire. Yeah, no. I mean, Larry, he also said he thought there was still a path uh, to, to soft landing, which I guess he sort of has to say. But I mean, I, I gave up listening. You know, I, I was listening to that segment and, and I said the very same thing to you and on your show. I just wish he would stop talking because what what he says from meeting to meeting is is contradictory. And then there's no there's no look back. Oh, I, I know I said that. There's no acknowledgement of all the myriad mistakes that this group has made and really led by him, starting with, um, you know, the, the uh, 2020 Jackson Hole meeting where they decided to become data dependent. How well did that work out? Mm. Um, and, you know, we're not going to raise. We're not even thinking about thinking about it. Uh, no, we're not t- 75 base points off the table. Then we get a 75 base point hike. I mean, I, I think, listen, I can't speak for the market. But it looks to me like the bond market, which has pretty much led him all the way through this, by the way. Remember that the yields were rising long before he raised rates a year ago. And so I, I think the market is just the bond vigilantes are in charge and he's uh, along for the ride. I, I think he kind of signaled that it may be one or maybe none uh, going forward. It's, it's hard to tell because it'll change tomorrow. You know, I, think he, I think he signaled that potentially – May is May. They're going to pause. They're not going to do a rate act, but that doesn't mean come June or July that they won't continue raising. And I think a lot's going to depend on this week's PCE, which is their favorite inflation gauge, and next month April CPI and PPI. I just um, when I was in that game full time with Bear Stearns a long time ago, I used to think that these market rates led the Fed, and you had Fed chairs. You had Volcker and Greenspan, who I think looked at markets to inform them. 
And I would add to that, kids, like the CRB Commodity Index uh, has been flat to down now for a year. The M2 money supply is falling, all right? The, right. Not just the growth rate, but actually the level is falling. Mm-hmm. Uh, the level of deposits are falling. Or to go to the economic numbers, the index of leading indi- indicators is crashing. So it's like, and that seems to be what the bond market is saying, but the Fed is being stubborn. I mean, so is this, yeah. what are they going to have, Nancy, they just have to surrender the Fed or and just say, like, we were totally wrong or what? Well- I think so. I think finally, yes. I mean, you know, he gave us the 2018 bear market, too. Let's not forget. And flip flopped pretty quickly on that one. Mm -hmm. So you're absolutely right. Leading economic indicators have been down 10 months in a row. The manufacturing PMIs have rolled over. Um, Every metric, M2, as you mentioned, is negative. Um, BAA spreads now are widening, and we've seen durable goods come down a couple months in a row. Mm -hmm. So I think what, what the data are telling us is that, the, the economy is slowing, and it's slowing quickly. And, you know, I know that the Fed GDP now number is still at 3.2%. That may continue into the second quarter, but um, I, we, we have believed all along that we were going to see a slowing economy uh, and a recession. Uh, we think this year it doesn't really matter. Um, and so we've positioned our portfolios accordingly. But uh, it's, it's the credit, there's a real credibility problem, not just with the Fed, but across government. And I'll just say this very quickly. Today's Wall Street Journal editorial, we wrote a piece uh, last August called Washington Hopium, where we talked about yeah. how, how fraudulent the CBO estimates were on the IRA, yeah. the Inflation, Inflation Reduction Act. But you, all you have to do is go back to the Student Loan Act or the Student Loan Bill. Department of Education came out at the time and said you were gonna earn, they were going to earn $6 per $100 less. 25 years later, they lose an average of almost $9 per $100 lent. Mm. That's a hell of a delta, $114 billion, you know, profit expected to, but the reality is $197 billion in losses. So I don't believe anything any of these folks say, and that's that's what's made this market very challenging. You know, that's a good point, though. Uh, So the IRA bill could be three times as expensive as they suggested. In round numbers, yeah. the estimate's $400 billion, and Goldman saves $1.2 trillion. By the way, Goldman's not the only one. The Penn Wharton model looked at it. I don't remember what they got to, but it was much higher than the CBO. And then you have the student loan bailout, which I think the CBO is estimating $250 billion or something. But actually – They call it a trillion. Yeah, that's <laughs> – well, Penn Wharton said $500 billion to a trillion. So I, you know, it, this is part of the craziness. I mean, Kenny, do you still trade uh, commodities? You still do any of that stuff or derivatives? No, I really don't. Yeah. Right? I mean, I commodities via you know gold via uh, uh, through stocks, not yeah. commodities. Uh, well, gold's had a big rally. What do you make of that gold and silver right. rally? Actually, gold is going higher, right? I think gold is gold and treasuries are the ultimate safety play. You saw that last week. They took gold up fifty dollars on Thursday when. When the uh, when we had all that continued ongoing angst over Jenny Yellen, and that's when they sold, that's when they bought treasuries and yields plummeted, right? Um, and so I think those are the two safety plays. I can continue to think that gold is going to perform well and go higher. I actually look for twenty one hundred at the end of the year, which we might actually get to pretty soon. Wow. Uh, wow. Wow. Now you're saying it's a haven of safety; it's not an inflation indicator. 
Well, listen, I think in this case, I think it's much more a safety trade. People, you know, when, when all that confusion in the market, I think people go to where they feel they're going to get the most safety. And traditionally, gold is one of those asset classes that benefits from the fear factor, right, from the, from the, from the, from the chaotic factor. You ever buy, uh, you, know, you ever buy the gold stuff, Nancy? Yeah, we we actually have a metals and miners strategy. We we call oh. it the clean energy infrastructure strategy, and it's hedged. Oh, oil. So right. There's there's the cynic in me, but um, yeah, we we do. We own most all of the metals and most and the miners of those metals. Um, so uh, Kenny's right. I mean, we think gold. We think actually copper. Silver, um, you know, lithium, those are where some of our, I mean, that's really where our emphasis is. Yeah, you were in, talking, in right, you were talking on the TV show about that. And, you know, then comes this editorial and the whole report. Actually, somebody from the, the Hill uh, staff sent me this. Um, I mean, they're put this, the tax credits are virtually unlimited. So yeah. all the so-called green energy commodity stuff is probably a terrific play. I mean, they're going to investors could put in a trillion dollars or more. Well, what the heck? Uncle Sam yeah, is funding supply. it. Exactly. And then supply is limited. Oh, I don't even know what that stuff is. Kenny Polcari, have you ever seen that stuff? You ever seen no, lithium? I, I don't know what it looks like. What does it look like? No, I haven't. But the point, and I agree. <laughs> Lithium is going to be one of those places that is going to be a huge beneficiary of what's coming down the pipe, right? While it's while, while you know you have a lot of back and forth over energy and electric vehicles, the fact is they are coming. We know they're coming. We're still very much in the infant stages, and I think lithium is uh, is a place that's going to see a lot of lot of action. Ken Carry, you own an electric car? I do not own an electric car, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> I know I, I live in a condo now. I don't have a garage, and so I don't have any place to stop. <laughs> I have to go around the a parking lot and sit there for two and a half hours to charge. I got no interest. Ah, Nancy, you own an electric car? <laughs> I own an F-150, Larry, and I drive it with impunity. But this, I, I can't. Is it the, EV, is it the EV version no. or the gasoline version? No, it's gas. Because when I go back and forth to Tahoe, I, sure. I, it's a 14-hour drive. So, like like Kenny, I'm not going to sit there. And you know, I love that. I would love to see you in a Ford 150. That is so cool. That is so That is so totally cool. I love that. I can just see you. I have a picture my phone of her driving the truck. I should say. I just love that. The best part is watching me try to get in and out with my five-inch heels yeah. on. Well, it's like I know you got to, and it's like putting your your feet in the stirrups of a horse. You just got to pull yourself up. No, no, but that's yeah. a wonderful mother of a truck. It's fat. I have a five-six-year-old Lincoln Navigator, the long one. I, I keep nice. it. In, I keep it in Connecticut. It's gas-powered. It works. Yeah. I don't know. I like it. Um, I'm not buying an EV either. Anyway, we're going to have to take a break. This conversation is wandering. That's what we do here. <laughs> Nancy Tangler, CEO and CIO of uh, Laffer Tangler Investments, Kenny Polcari from Case Capital and Slate Stone Wealth, two of the best of the best. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow with two experts on the economy and the stock market. Nancy Tangler, CEO and CIO of Laffer Tangler Investments. Kenny Polcari, Case Capital Advisors and Slate Stone Wealth. 
Uh, Kenny, what are you doing? I mean, I got to give my listeners some sense of what the hell to go on here. What are you doing, buddy? So listen, I after all the chaos we've seen, I am really, really interested in the regionals, right? Ken, you saw what's happened to a lot of these regional names that got absolutely slaughtered, a lot of them getting dragged in for no reason other than they're just getting dragged in, right? So Western Alliance and your community bank. I mean, look what happened there. That's sold off 35% since March 6th. And then after the news out that they were going to buy the assets of Silicon Valley, they took it right up 40%. Mm. It was a huge opportunity because of an overreaction, I think. Mm. The same goes for Western Alliance is another uh, name that I like to look at in that space just because I think the chaos has created tremendous opportunity. You want to invest or buy First Republic? You're putting a syndicate together to buy First Republic? You know, it's funny. First Republic is now the poster child of everything that's wrong, right? So that one I'm just watching. Maybe at some point I would put a a group together, but right now I'm just watching. I, I could see you living out there. Uh, you know, the Silicon Valley Bank, by the way, it was a rogue bank. It was never a real bank. A rogue yeah. bank, right? Yeah. Hillary Clinton investors, climate change, left-wing Alvin Bragg-type management, and the San Francisco Fed knew all about it, and they didn't do a damn thing. All right? That's my statement. I, I don't know that First Republic is that bad. But I think they have a lot of bad real estate. In fact, Nancy Tangler, that, is that an issue? So Ken Carey is going to scoop up all the regional banks because they're cheap. And he may be right. He may be dead right. He's done this in the past. But I am worried not only the bond portfolio, but just for a moment, the loan portfolio of a lot of these banks. What about commercial real estate? Everybody keeps telling me it's going south. I don't know that, but that's what everybody keeps telling me, especially the two coasts, New York and California. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a real risk, and so you have to geographically pick your your spots. But thirty eight percent of of loans at a median bank are commercial lend, lending loans mm-hmm. and we and real estate loans, and we know that sorry, commercial real estate loans, and we know that you know a lot of those those properties are underwater. So you know, it's often the case that you want to take the big bets, as Kenny's arguing during periods of stress. I, we've been underweight the banks. We we own some clearly our super regionals PNC, and we may add to that, but we're not going to dip in. And I, I just think there's too many other places mm. uh, that I'd rather be in this environment. And like and what? So, like what? Well, so so like the metals. Um, and and we just uh, added some uh, holdings. I think I mentioned this on your show in in American Express and Chubb, mm. and we've added to to some. We've taken some gains on our technology holdings, which I've been talking about for six months. You have to add it back in. We did. They appreciated, and so we've sold Microsoft and Salesforce, and we're just redeploying very carefully uh, in into companies that we think can generate reliable earnings in this coming slowdown in economic growth. I mean, what about what we used to call economic sensitive? sectors and stocks, you know, cyclical stocks, consumer discretionary, yeah. industrials, that kind of stuff. Uh, what's that yeah. stuff been doing and, and is it worth anything? Yeah, I mean, we're overweight. The industrials have been one of the best performers in the market. Mm. Uh, we're, we're overweight that group. And then we've been adding to consumer discretionary as well. So names like Chipotle, McDonald's in our dividend growth portfolio, Target, Tesla was one of our holdings we picked up in early January. Mm. Uh, we we took a nice run in that. That, that was luck. That will never happen again. But we added to it a little bit recently on the pullback. So we like consumer discretionary. Retail-related, consumer-related, I'm just looking at the stock sheets, have done pretty well. I mean, let me see. Mm-hmm. Consumer discretionary year-to-date plus 9.6%. 
Uh, S&P 500 retailers, not quite as good, but I think 3.4%. I'm looking at home builders. S&P 500 home builders up 14.3%. Wow. Kenny Polkari, what do you make of that? I thought housing was in the tank. You know, that confuses me a little bit uh, about home builders, although as a group, they got clocked in 2022. So, you know, some of that is also uh, bargain hunting as people try to look through Mm. uh, the next four or five months. But I'm still confused because I think rates are going to continue to go higher and then mortgage rates are going to stay higher. Although what you're hearing now from all new home builders is suddenly I heard last week, people are getting, as you know, they're getting freebies, right? So they're getting upgrades in the kitchen. They're getting upgrades in the bathroom. They're getting mm. upgrades in the flooring. They're getting, so they're giving away. And Lennar, I think, is one of them that's buying down your rate because mm. they've got their own mortgage company. They're buying down the rate to give people a little bit of an edge, right? So they were talking about 4.9% mortgage rates after Lennar buys it down. Um, you know what the problem is, though? You buy a house because right. of Joe Biden. Because of Joe Biden, you, you can't have an air conditioner, a toilet bowl. <laughs> you can't have a shower head. It's very difficult to buy a home without all these appliances. You can't have a washer and a dryer. Just kidding. You know what I'm talking about. Nancy Tengler and Ken Paul Carey, great stuff. Neither of them owns an electric vehicle, and neither do I. I'm Cudlow, folks. Money and politics. Next up with uh, Monica Crowley and Steve Moore.